0: I'm Rob Hirschfeld, CEO and co-founder of Rackend and your host for the Cloud 2030 podcast. This episode is about how promotion boards can be hostile or harmful to open source technology. and We had a really robust discussion about the dynamics of corporate support in open source technology and if the fact that uh, doing internal work and and rewarding being rewarded for internal work for companies translated into uh, challenges for open source technology. And ultimately we started to peel apart what ma- t- it, what makes open source technology sustainable, what it works for. We came up uh, suggested this uh, analogy of a lava lamp where things heat up and then cool down as part of a natural cycle, which led us into that being a normal cycle for all software. Which led us back to how promotion boards work. So we covered a lot of ground, really talking through the dynamics of corporate uh, software governance and open source and interweaving those together. It was a robust and interesting conversation. And I am certain you will enjoy it. The promotion boards at these major, at the big cloud companies and other other major companies, crushing open source. That's the scheduled topic for today. And I think that one of the things that's interesting in in that conversation is to actually, you know, look at that, look at it with Kubernetes. We can go back to the OpenStack lens if you want also. But even like Chef and Puppet, um, Terraform to an extent, Ansible, right? These are actually open source configuration tools also. and be interesting to sort of measure, you know, does, is this a, is this actually a problem, right? How do, how do companies fund fund their participation in these environments?
1: It, it, it was an interesting read. And like, I, I, I have not worked at a, the FANG or, or I guess now that you call it Manga uh, <laughs> company. Um, but I heard the stories from them, and it, it sounds about right. Like it's 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 a very competitive, very cutthroat environment. Um, so I I can see where this comes from internally. Uh, now, on the other hand, I I've also like having worked primarily in a, in a startup environment I, 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 I've been in contact with people who've been recruited into large companies like this and in those cases it's typically the opposite of, of this like packet um, like, I don't know if you want to call it ecosystem or 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 like the promo committed stuff in, in that um, there is a very strong value in having a publicly visible package of open source contributions when you are applying to these companies. Right. Um, so, <laughs> so so they will
0: reward you on hiring you and then and then Yeah. Crush you after that? Exactly.
2: Exactly. Yeah. Exactly.
1: Yeah. So, like, I mean, the companies are are clearly interested in in acquiring talent. Uh, And and one of the the most efficient ways of of demonstrating that you have talent is to actually go on and contribute or, in some cases, develop a product. Um, It's disheartening that that kind of work then gets squashed uh, as, as basically the internal politics come into into, into play there. Um, hmm. Yeah, but...
0: Do you think that this is like them not recognizing the value of... So I'm, I'm interested in the dynamic because these companies are definitely using and benefiting from the ecosystems. And it, it, one of the things that didn't feel quite right to me is that it, it does—it feels like they are actually busy promoting
1: and um, engaging.
2: Um, it's all agendas.
1: <laughs> it, it, it depends on whether they can monetize it. Like Prometheus, for example. Uh, like Google has been doing a, a, a quite a lot of work Uh, quite quite a lot of work to get their uh, managed uh, Prometheus uh, platform uh, off the ground uh, these past couple of months. Um, So there's definitely interest among these companies in integrating open source products. And as a result, there's just likely also going to be some contribution uh, going back from these companies to the, the public uh, projects to basically not necessarily give back, but it like looking at entirely self interested in, like, from a self interested perspective. Like, if, if they enhance their own product in, in a certain way that requires them to patch the upstream code every time they, 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 they pull a, an, an update, it makes sense for them to cut the lead time on that. And, and push their 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 enhancements upstream but the the uh, the justification for them to be able to do so is still a monetary one like like mm. ultimately the, what, what what these yeah. companies want to do is is they want to capitalize on on the platform on the open source platform that they use. They, like, they, they want to add their own flavor to it and, and sell. It. Um, <laughs> yeah, and, that's, right, uh, that's right. And really, like, the only way I can see uh, them agreeing to, or, or at least uh, the way I can, I can see the, the, like, the bean counters to, to agree to, uh, to add those contributions back to the community is by justifying that as a cost-cutting measure. Like, like we, we're spending this much time taking the open source updates on, on applying our changes. If we, if we contribute our, our, our changes back to them, we saved as many man hours uh, on a regular basis kind of thing.
2: And
0: one of the things that happened in, in OpenStack that was both destructive but significant was that um, they, the companies, and these weren't the same companies, right? They weren't hosting companies. They were mostly hardware companies and telcos and, and operating system companies, but they were buying people and then paying to maintain influence in the community. Like the community had a r- real reward system where they proceed. they thought they had a reward system where having individual contributors to the projects who had influence was really was, was important. And so if you were not at a certain, like on the, you know, like, like in Kubernetes on the the TC or, you know, in, in OpenStack that uh, PTL stuff, if you, if you weren't in charge of a project or a component or something like that, then you didn't have enough influence to get things done in
1: the project. Mm-hmm. Um, And it still happens today, like uh, CNCF with their ambassador uh, program. Uh, At least they formalized that process so that anyone can get their slice of the cake. Um, But yeah, like in in order to like to have your clout and and, and have your like opinion be be listened to in in CNCF, uh, you still need to have. You still need to be a like a CNCF accredited company, which means that you have you have at least so many people with, with CKA, and, and then uh, right. you, you you have your, your staff joined the CNCF ambassador program, uh, and and then yeah, your, your, your name can get thrown ar- around. Uh, so the mm, I,
0: I but feel but like, that like this, but it, I mean that, that doesn't strike me as you know, from a, from an influence perspective there, I I mean, I guess the way I'm reading this article is that you're not given time. Like, so there's, there's an open source bias in the comment, which is saying that you're, you're not rewarded for contributions you're, you're making to the community. I'm assuming that if you were making contributions to the, you know, their version of the project, their internal support, you would, you would be fine.
2: So, is
1: that yeah? So, that was my takeaway as well. The rocket. Okay.
2: So, so part of it is if you take a look at where the companies that have figured out how to, uh, a lot of companies, some companies have figured out how to pay for uh, their open source participation by putting these developers into marketing and. For marketing, huh. it yes, actually, they, they're, what they're doing better um, matches uh, the goals of the marketing department than the development department. Other companies, uh, I, Huawei hired a lot of heavy duty influencers, brought them to China. Had them run a couple of training sessions slash mini conferences, and mm-hmm. then shortly thereafter, once once their team got established in Open OpenStack, uh, got rid of them. And some of them went on their own, and some of them saw the writing on the wall. And then the whole uh, government thing crashed down around Huawei two at the same time. So yeah, but. Um, and this is like traditional for Huawei. It's like hire on the the folks with the reputation because Huawei really likes people with reputations. Uh, gather get their knowledge on how to make it work and then get rid of them. Um, whereas uh, Ava had I just found out Ava. Uh, went through two other groups. She got hired by Microsoft and went through, she's on group number three and finally has found her place where she mm-hmm. can do open source and something that, and be recognized at Microsoft for doing that at the same time. So uh, it's both management and uh, the way the company works. Sure. I- but I look at, I look at what hmm. Amazon does, it's like, there's no freaking way I'd ever go into open source at Amazon.
0: Right, it's not a... This, I, I think this is an interesting thing and this even comes back to some of what I would say with, with the puppet conversation we had you know, before, is it's super hard to find a monetization path for open source.
2: Mm-hmm. Yes, and that's why I find right. Netflix so fascinating. Well, no, Netflix because, is,
1: uh, go ahead. Go ahead, Klaus. I was, I, I was about to to mention Netflix, and um, I don't think Netflix is that much difference. Like the only, the, like the the only thing that that makes Netflix different from Amazon is that Netflix built the tools internally. And then there was sufficient demand outside of Netflix. There the were people saying like, I, w- I would like you to, to use that tool. That they said like, fine, we'll open source it. There you go. But they don't make any promises about it. They,
2: but that's actually they not don't adapt how Netflix, it to
1: other environments.
2: That's not how Netflix did it. Netflix from the very beginning was always open. You could always get to the repositories. They've been open from the get-go and then people wanted to use it. And Netflix didn't know how to deal with people submitting, uh, change requests, pull requests, but all their code is out there for people to use. And that's what I find interesting on Netflix. They just sit there and go, uh, we own the code so much as we own the repositories, but you can fork it as much as you want. And, uh, Oh gee, now we have to figure out how to take some some change requests, but, <laughs> well, but that, it's all but, out there for you to use. Sure, but
0: but, <laughs> right, but dumping but dumping code in the open source is really really different than maintaining a exactly. project or a product yeah. based based on that code because right if if you're if you're just dumping your code you have no objective you have no reason to take back um, pull That's requests. Right. From, it it actually could break you. And without a really rigorous test, you're literally pulling in stuff that's not helpful. I actually think this is part of the Terraform challenge, right? We know that Hashi isn't, you know, one of the comments I heard when they were going public was like, you know, they have a huge backlog of not taking pull requests against Terraform. Um, And I don't know that they have a lot of incentive to take, you know, pull requests against
1: Terraform if if it violates what they want, how they want to monetize. And, and and like again, like yeah, yeah. As you said, exactly. Like that. That's the the, the thing with Netflix is that sure that the repositories are, are open, but they 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 maintain their their code for themselves. Yeah. And if anyone else wants to use it, fine. Go ahead and use it. But they they're not going to update their code to make it work on the, say like Azure or or, or Google Cloud. They, they have no interest in it, and they have no monetary gain in it, and they just don't do it,
2: right. And that's the thing: there's no mon- there. There's no monetary incentive whatsoever to the Netflix model. They just put the code out there, but you can fork it.
0: Well, does do they get a benefit back?
2: They only right. get a benefit there's... back if they uh, the. They're actually not looking for a benefit back. They're just it's. It's just, you know, like white papers. We're putting white papers out there. Mm
1: -hmm.
2: You can't modify the white paper, but you can use it to to grow your own stuff. It's.
0: Sure. Which, which from. It's
2: transparent.
0: Well, that to me helps improve the visibility and the engagement they have with their operations community. Right. That's, I, I mean, and I've seen this, right. Even like at the SRE con, you sort of had two rules of thumb. You had companies that were incredibly secretive about their operations. Um, uh, the You know, Apple people, we've talked about this <laughs> before, right. Apple people um, sometimes, you know, some of the, a lot of the fan companies are incredibly um, closed about what they do. And then you had other companies that are like, no, we're actually going to talk about our operations and, and explain how we do it because we want to, you know, we, we get benefit from that. Um, and that, that's cultural. And I think a part of the open source thing is going to be cultural from the same, the same, same vein. Um, yeah. Oh my goodness. That actually, that makes sense. I mean, some of these companies have are so hard, um, to communicate with and even like, you know, a company like Netflix, which might be really active in open source or, you know, doing that still doesn't want to communicate much about, um, what they're doing, right? They have media and gag orders, right? Amazon's famous for having—you, know, you can't talk to anybody about Amazon or yeah, Apple's
1: even more stringent um, without media training, right? The, yeah, the, the, I mean, the, there's there's a couple of reasons there, yeah, or um, at, at least in the way I see it. Uh, one, the, the obvious one being uh, that there's still a lot of believe in security by obscurity like even sure. google touting like zero trust and, and like uh beyond corp they still are pretty tight-linked about what they do internally um mm-hmm. the second part i think has to do again with with the legal system like um like, once the partner is open it's really hard to get the cows back in <laughs> and <Yes>. um, <clears throat> mm-hmm. and the, there is always a fine line that, that that gets towed between this is intellectual property this is copyright or, or, or this is just open an open system on um, yeah. Particularly when when internal development is concerned, like the like like copyright or, or the the corporate law, it, like it, getting some getting intellectual property recognized as such is a process that takes years, mm-hmm. and during that process, you have to be very very careful. About justifying that you've been protecting your property, your digital property, which means not talking about it. Yes. So, um, yeah, yeah, that's so right. That's right. To, to like monetization, like it, like is this a platform that that like that can be monetized when sold as a platform and not just as as a, as a technology?
0: I, yeah. I, I see that. I guess I'm, I go back, though, when I when I think about corporate open source and the toss it over the wall, it's some of it is IP. But I totally agree with you. Some of it to me is that you can't do that without spending time working with the people in the community to understand their use cases. Right. And help support like this. This is this to me is, was always a problem with with these platforms. Is that. Um, for the community to work, you have to have somebody who says, "Oh, all right. Um, this is this is a little bit of a rabbit hole, but bear with me." You have to have you have to have people who are maintaining that code sit down and say, "You know what? I care about how it works in your environment, <laughs> and I'm going to take time away from my you know my job is is not making it work for us. My job is making it work for other people." Um, and and that fundamentally is dis, is a distraction, right? You're literally helping somebody else, especially on these these platform tools, helping somebody else um, be successful at their you know in their workplace environment, in their in their mission, in their production, whatever it is. Um, at the at the expense of you know what might be your own job, right? It's not all sales engineering, right? That's that's the thing. Sales engineering is sales engineering. <laughs> The product, there's a sale, you know, you're going to buy something, but the, you know, really maintaining an open source community means that you're going to have to spend time making sure that the software that's in the open works for, um, other environment, you know, other people in, the, in their environment. In a lot of cases, because of the way we've treated open source that you have, you do that with no recompense or no expectation of recompense, mm-hmm. except that the system's get, getting,
1: uh, propagated. Which brings us back to discussions about the business model of open source. right?
2: And also back to the standards communities in hardware and other stuff. Essentially, there's and there's still this tension between standards and open source standards community has teams uh, Mm -hmm. in every company that cares about it to help drive the standards towards their agenda, but they work together and the companies recognize that the standards folks are making their life easier easier to produce their hardware. And so they pay for them and they understand it, but you need more people if you're actually generating Work product beyond just standards. If you're actually generating the the product itself, based the standard product based on community uh, participation, so it takes more people, and you like you said, you've got folks that are sitting there doing it for free, uh, or right. basically free in their own time, and companies love it because then they don't have to pay for those people. <laughs> well, I mean, this is.
0: <laughs> I, I was going to tell some of the, the in history of us flipping our license about for this. Cause it's relevant because we would get these massive companies, right? A- Apple, uh, Uber, um, some of the banks, we're, we're, using our software, open core software. And they're like, we're not, we're never going to pay you for it. We're going to keep expecting you to maintain the core. We're not going to contribute to the core, <laughs> but we, we're going to use it and expect you to maintain it. Um, for the benefit of, um, you know, their production system, which, which we found obviously super frustrating, um, from that perspective. And then the, the kicker for us was that they would, what we, what we were planning to monetize was all the extensions to the product. Um, and what to bypass the licensing, they would just, um, you know, rewrite the extensions. (sighs) And and but here's here's what's interesting um, for us specifically, our our mission, our vision of the whole the whole time was to create reusable automation. So the idea that that you know people were making forks of what we wanted to have be standard libraries and standard practices, so that we could get economies of scale and reuse. We were literally they were defeating the thing that we were trying to build in the, the way the license model was structured. Um,
2: That's where the GPL comes in.
0: Hmm. Oh, because that would have prevented somebody from forking it and then using it anyway.
2: No, they could use it, but they have to put it back into the general libraries.
0: That, that wouldn't have helped us. They would have they would have done that and they would have or just kept expecting us to, to use right. They, they that GPL does not stop somebody who doesn't need to modify the code.
2: Right. But if all of those extensions were under GPL, they have to put their changes back into it. It has to be open.
1: Sure. Only if the only, only if they make those publicly available. If they use them internally, they, they don't. Correct. Yeah, it, it really,
0: Rocky, I, I agree, uh, it should help you, but it would help you if like Amazon picked up your code. Mm-hmm. But even then they're just like, yeah, no, no worries. We'll, we'll open source the stuff we're doing to get around your license
2: or <laughs> your, your, yeah. your
0: barrier. They don't care. Um, yeah. Yeah, I yeah, guess the they difference shouldn't, between and they shouldn't use the way the license is
3: structured.
1: Sorry? it's a difference between use and redistribution
0: right So this is where SAS really broke up some of the models and internal use mm-hmm. yes people at this scale breaks breaks the model um, but the, the thing that, the thing that that I that I'm trying to highlight on this is um, is the collaborative effect like one of the things that I saw happen with ansible and chef and puppet right uh, and salt to give them credit and actually Terraform too um, the model that they're using you know doesn't encourage people to share the automation the, mm-hmm. using the platform there's no collaboration there's very little collaboration around how you use the platform yep. there's there's right there's, and there's not frankly not that much collaboration around the features of the platform either
1: um, yeah, yeah. I mean, it, it's a bit of a tangent, but but like the, okay. this whole discussion has me thinking, like 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 again I, I, about the not necessarily like the like the, the open source business model, but but more like the open source development model in general. Mm. Like I, I was trying to, to think of some some analogies, and, and the best thing I can like the, the closest I can think of right now is is, is a lava lab. but. Yeah. Like okay. open source projects start start small, they, they, they become hot, they <laughs> float to the surface, <laughs> and, and and then there, there's, there's all this interest, so, so it starts globbing things together, <laughs> it becomes heavier, and then cools down, and it sinks back to, to the bottom, breaks up, and, and then other projects come up. So <laughs> if we were to, to go down that route and, and and consider open source software development as like a non-fixed thing, should we then be planning ahead for that kind of fluidity?
2: That's can a good we plan question. Ahead? Excellent question.
0: Uh, the users of the software can definitely plan ahead. And actually, well, this is one of the things I think that that gets overlooked in the whole life cycle that you're describing is that sometimes that it gets hot and cools off is because they didn't get the architecture right. Like they got it, off, they got a whole bunch of interest. The use cases were great. Woo. And then they've reached a, a point where the, the art that, you know, somebody streamlines or changes the architecture. And then there's a, you know, there's a new generation and it, it sinks not because of it just natural cooling or stability, but because something displaced it.
1: Yeah, like it, it like it, in many cases, like a, a, a project ends up stagnating because it accumula- accumulates too many features, and and, and it's hard to um, hard to maintain. Yeah, and well, then a, a new project comes out with, with, with barely any features, but it's adopted quickly because it's super fast. <laughs> and, and, and here I'm thinking very, very specifically about databases, so like, <laughs> like, like the evolution of MySQL in, in and it was adopted because it was fast and, and then it didn't have the, the features, so the features got added and it got slower. And then yeah. Redis came out and it was fast, but it didn't have the features and the features got added and it became slower, <laughs> and so on and so forth. Um, yeah. but, well, yeah, and, and
0: that, that's normal because you don't want, you know, if, if you can add features incrementally, great. But if you keep adding features and they're disruptive to the current users and use cases, then that's not good.
1: Well, and, and, and even more, like the, the more features you have, like the more complexity you add to your system, and now we're going back to the, the topic of complexity, um, yeah. That the harder it is to change the system to incorporate new features and, and ideas like for example like bringing in like JSON mm-hmm. data formats support, uh, support in, into relational databases i mean the object uh, storage picked up fast because they could do that because they didn't have the the legacy baggage for it right and relational databases <laughs> that i mean that
2: what they, what they
1: added um it like they, they did have the, the in-house knowledge to do it. They, they just they couldn't just add it quickly because it would be breaking other things.
2: So I also want to point, point out, Rob, that yeah. a lot of, especially these days, a lot of open source is really advanced development. Yeah, sometimes it's for, uh, it's not great and it's for all code and stuff, but it's advanced development. And R&D, they're experiments. And mm-hmm. like you said, we need a version 2.0. Well, Kubernetes was the version 2.0 of OpenStack in lots of ways.
0: Uh, definitely people organizationally. Abandoned open,
2: people mm-hmm. abandoned OpenStack because Kubernetes were small and did exactly the things that they were looking for that OpenStack stumbled upon but had too, have too much baggage with it by the time it got to those places. Sure. And it, so it was,
0: it was also a 2o of Borg in in right in, yep. in thought process at least yep And um, so
2: a lot of this open source code uh, gets abandoned or cools off because it was an experiment. we've learned from it. Now we're rewriting the world.
0: So true sure. so wait, I, I want to pull us all the way back to the uh, the original topic because I, I think we've actually We've wrote we've pulled the we've pulled the circle around in, in a meaningful way, and here's where with with both of what both of you are saying.
2: Great timing, if, Martez. <laughs> if, if
0: I'm a if I'm a um, uh, ambitious, you know, uh, leader at a organization that has review boards and things like that, right, which means a pretty rigorous, structured way to reward people and and have them grow in the organization then what we're really saying here is it's not about open source. It's actually about taking people who are working in the, in organization and asking them to go chew on a very adding complexity into a project for which starts having diminishing returns. Rather than, rather than working on internal projects and, or starting new things on internal systems. And so I think maybe because there's a part of me that's like, I really appreciated that article. And I was like, okay, that makes sense. And there was a part of me that was like, hold on, there's, that doesn't make sense. Because, you know, I I don't think companies are that um, uh, unaware of the benefits of contributing back into vibrant open source communities. But if you take this, we reach points with projects where the complexity and effort to maintain that project starts showing diminishing returns, then, and, 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 and I think that's actually intuitively understood. if not particularly well documented. Um, like it's not, I I don't think it's, um, aware knowledge, but I think it's, you know, people understand it. Then the idea that you're going to spend a whole bunch of time chasing marginal, like incredibly complex, hard engineering work for marginal returns in the community side of a project. Um, i i can see a review board being like huh i that's you're you're asking for a promotion to chase that you know uh, we and not being so sure does that make
1: sense am i am i stretching too far uh, it, it's an interesting- uh, interesting proposition uh, and uh, i i i i can like uh, from from an outside perspective i can see that that it could be inferred to be that way um, I, I, I still have my doubts about the uh, about whether that's actually the case because it it would also mean that that the reports are largely altruistic, which <laughs> is uh it, it's a difficult proposition to swallow. But uh, it it definitely brings uh, a good good light about again what what might be a contributing factor to to to, uh, to what's essentially the, the the selfish behavior in, in saying like that there is the, the the cost benefit of maintaining an existing system, uh, particularly with with with, with these mm. like fan companies, it is less than the cost benefit of taking a risk on a new system that might be a paradigm shift. (laughs) And now
0: I think you just hit the problem with review boards.
2: Mm
0: -hmm. Right. This is, but this is right. If you want to, I mean, this is a challenge with ops in general, somebody, and I've seen this right up about review boards in multiple cases um, is that somebody who, you know got a ten percent you know I've actually read a case like this that they did like a ten percent improvement on performance of you know Google search engine and reduced the the you know the <laughs> reduce the amount of infrastructure you needed to improve Google by ten percent. but that wasn't considered you know interesting enough for for promotion inside it, you know because it was it was operational efficiency. It wasn't you know the next YouTube.
1: Yeah. Well, there's also the uh, okay. Like you, 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 you reduce the opex. Great. Let's keep you there so you can continue reducing the opex. Yeah. That's why. Why. Why why promote you away from that?
3: That's because we view many organizations, and I I don't love the narrative that even a lot of IT people refer to IT as a cost center, um, or, or at least more so the specifically the operations part of IT. And so if you view it as a cost center, I mean, you're always going to think that get cost down, get cost down. Um, and, and that's almost thought of as as your job, as opposed to you introduce something new and quote unquote valuable, then that's something that's appealing that's different.
1: Yeah, uh, like, yeah, the, like the, the, the view of, of operations as a cost center is, is definitely a dangerous one, although very unfortunately very popular as well. I prefer to to see operations as a risk reduction center like it, it's the equivalent of, yeah. of insurance yeah. like the, the more money you put into it the 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 better off you are when you are in a situation uh, that requires it
3: And the more you pay out of pocket if you if you haven't put it in Mm -hmm.
1: like yeah you 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 could take just like similar like with car insurance like yeah you 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 can take just just liability insurance but then you you go into an accident and you have to pay it all all, all so but if
0: if that's true does that then influence what that like that like you know as as open source people you know we, we like to think that there's an altruism and companies should invest in it and things like that. But if you're just on this like, hey, we're not, we're not good at rewarding people for um, maintenance stuff and these projects are in maintenance mode. I can understand the risk, but I, that's in some ways it's like
3: it's the business of IT and so if you think about from multiple sides you look at the vendors there's no real incentive to as a vendor to stay in the same place otherwise you'll be thought of as legacy you look at the net apps you look at even what vmware is doing you look at from the technologist standpoint if i stay in the same place i'm not going to there's no monetary incentive and if i decide you know what i'll put devops in my title like for a lot of people, that's a two x three x raise in terms of what's going on there. From a internal business standpoint, my path to promotion is not reduce spend, reduce spend. It's innovate, innovate, find the next new thing.
1: I, and just to be clear, this is not a pro, this is not a thing that's endemic just in it, like right. even mm-hmm. academia. Like when when, when when you're doing your research papers for, for, for a doctorate or, or, or a master's. Like, master's is, is, is more forgiving, but, but not doctorate. Like, it is a lot more difficult to sell uh, an improvement than it is to, to say, I'm going to take this very, this very little, very domain-specific problem, and I'm going to be, become the expert in it. So, so yeah, it's and on like even in retail and on anything else, like it it's it's always the same thing. Like it improvement it hardly ever gets re- rewarded.
2: And I think we need to look at this from the perspective of the C-suites of a lot of the the Fang companies C, C-suites are heavily driven by shareholder capitalism. Sure, And the only thing that really matters is getting the share price up because that's the only thing that's going to change your, your bonus.
1: Uh, uh, It's a short
3: term.
2: It's all short term, every single aspect of it. And And the shareholders
3: just move on to the next company.
2: (laughs) And, and yeah, Google doesn't pay dividends. So, what benefit is there other than than share price? Uh, if they pay dividends, there might be a little bit more incentive for other stuff, but they don't. So we don't have the C-suite business minds for uh, Fortune 500 or Fortune 100 companies. And the, the shareholder capitalism has really twisted and warped how businesses decide value internally. And so any company that is small and follows Fang kind of screws themselves, not only screws their employees, but screws themselves. Whereas Fang just screws their employees because they're cogs. They're not real people. All they are are a way to make money. And making money is for Google, sell ads, sell ads, sell ads. And if you can't demonstrate that you are selling more, creating a space to uh, sell more ads, you're not going to get that raise or that promotion. And the same with all the the FANG companies. And so review boards are based on uh, where the company is in the whole shareholder capitalism market. If they don't have to worry about shareholders, there's a different incentive uh, uh, tree format infrastructure than if they're trying to appease shareholders.
0: Right. No, I, and I think this is an interesting. One of the comments in that thread was that you know you get a whole bunch of startups doing this work uh, because they have a much clearer monetary incentive to to be involved and and execute mm-hmm. on it.
2: Exactly. Um,
0: I actually find in my career I've had more flexibility uh, in startups to do work than. Um, uh, than than when I was at big companies, I've always been much much more constrained, just time right. wise. Because,
2: and part of that goes back to what Klaus was saying: as risk reduction, they believe that they are reducing risk. The large companies by incrementally improving, as opposed to grabbing onto something totally new. Which is and, go ahead, Klaus.
1: Which is not necessarily wrong. Right, but like, like right. that's right. Like short and medium term, like it, it is. It makes sense to to take it slow and steady. Um, yep. The 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 big risk uh, with doing that is not so much uh, a production risk, but it's a risk of becoming irre- irrelevant if there's a paradigm shift in, in your domain.
2: Which goes back to what Martez was saying. And so the risk calculations change dramatically when you get to a certain size. Mm-hmm. All right. <laughs> this was fascinating.
0: I like where we got in this conversation because it did strip away that open source, the, uh, you know, I've been, I've been on this side, on the open source side of this, right. The open source hand-wringing about investment and, and all that, um, which while legitimate, I don't think is, you know, from this, this conversation is unique by any stretch to open source projects. Our open source has no reason to feel like they're being targeted.
1: Well, uh, <laughs> I actually like uh, my takeaway from this is that there is a legitimate place for open source that is like as being the catalyst for uh for, for major changes for pipeline changes um without it like as we've discussed like the, the, the risk management for formulas um steer the companies away from from those risks, which means that unless you don't have any like any monetary loss from the developing the product, so so like the 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 incentive for making money out of open source is is rather right, right low, but that also means that the risk of losing money out of open source is low. So it gives you the freedom to 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 say like, yeah, I, I'm I'm going to try this thing and, and see where it takes me. It it just that's, it just is not a benefit. business system. Well, that's I,
0: boy. There's a whole nother topic about using open source as a. Um, I don't have to support you in the future.
1: <laughs> topic. <laughs> um. <laughs>
0: Thank you all. It's always a pleasure. (laughs) This was a good one. Ciao.
2: (laughs) Cheers. Bye-bye. Wow.
0: That was a fun conversation. It really is fascinating to see how much the motivations and profit and need for corporate governance really translate into how we work together, how we help each other in community settings, how we uh, reward people in those situations and inside companies uh, and what we how we think about technical debt and less exciting work. Um, all factors that really play into how we should build systems and how you should be thinking about your career and what you want to invest your time in. Uh, of course, This would be more interesting if you were involved, so please join us at the2030.cloud. Be part of these roundtables. We wanna hear your opinions and thoughts, uh, and it's super easy to come in and join and participate. Looking forward to hearing your thoughts on this, and thanks. Thank you for listening to the Cloud 2030 Podcast. It is sponsored by RackN, where we are really working to build a community of people who are using and thinking about infrastructure differently. Because that's what and does. We write software that helps put uh, operators back in control of distributed infrastructure, really thinking about how things should be run and building software that makes that possible. If this is interesting to you, uh, please try out the software. We would love to get your opinion and, and, and hear how you think this could transform infrastructure more broadly, or just keep enjoying the podcast and coming to the uh, discussions and You know, laying out your thoughts and how you see the future unfolding. It's all part of building a better infrastructure operations community. Thank you.